What up, y'all? This is Amani, and you are now listening to The Ville Radio Show on Pure Radio. Yo, what's going on? This is The Ville Radio Show. This is Jay Giuliulis. I got my guest in the house with me. Guest, say what's up. I'm going to go to These are my time. guest hosts. I'm sorry. I'm messing it all up. I got my people in the building. Shirt Dog, holler at them, man. Oh, okay. Shirt Dog hollering at the people. That's what you That's it? I, I talk in the third place. That's it? Yeah. Uh, and you already know. It's your boy, it's the baddest, the biggest. That thing got that twain that make it say, oh, oh, two time we in the field radio show. It's the boy. You already know what we're doing. Let's get it. It's a good one this morning, baby. You know what I'm saying? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Bill, what's going on, man? This is 103.7 FM, 1320 AM, Pure Radio. You're rocking with the Ville Radio Show. We got a really interesting show today popping off. Um, we're going to be talking about violence in the city with our youth. And we got some special guests joining us today. We have Miss Amy Donofrio from the EVAC. You know what I'm saying? One of our beautiful teachers in the city representing and uh, serving our city and everybody. You know what I'm saying? And then we got a student by the name of Shane. I have a nickname for him, but I'm not going to tell you the nickname or whatever because it's none of your business. But that's my man right there, all right? But anyway, so y'all say what's up, man. Yeah, see. Oh my this, god. Listen, hold on, hold on. See, look, people gonna trip out, all right? His nickname is Cocaine Shane. Not because he sells cocaine, it's because inside of a class of all black kids, he's the only white kid, and that was the nickname they went with. And it you can see how you come from. Who gave him the nickname, Jay? I don't, I don't I know. Mean, who, I, I mean, who, whoever did, ought to be ashamed of themselves. Yeah, I didn't give him the nickname. I did. That nickname was there when I got there. Somebody said it one who day. Who gave him the nickname when they were watching Narcos? No, I did. Don't put it on me. I didn't do that. I didn't El, do that. El Chapo. What's his name? El, El Chapo. El Chapo. We're trying to change it to No Complain Shane, like or it. we're going with yeah. something else or whatever, like something positive, and we're working through it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a journey. To change these nicknames, all right? So listen, we're going to talk about youth violence. Um, so there's a couple articles I kind of been bumping around or whatever, and I'm gonna just jump into the stuff. And Miss Donafrio, Shane, y'all jump in, and uh, everybody just jump in and you know get in the groove. However you move, I'm making up rhymes as I talk because that's just the way I walk. And I don't. I'm sorry, I can't stop the corniness. <laughs> it's just going right now. We've lost half our viewers. Straight corn. <laughs> We've lost all the viewers right now. But um, so, you know, just recently, not too long ago, a couple months ago, actually, there was an article that came out, and um, juvenile court uh, judge um, Henry Davis was just talking about the violence in the city. And so they were talking about pretty much how there's an extreme increase on different crimes in the city amongst youth. I think some of the um, stuff, like I said, armed robbery had increased like 25%. Um, we're dealing with certain time frames, actually, whatever, that actually go in between years. So this is not from year to year. Um, but, you know, auto, um, auto theft had jumped really uh, serious. Um, and like I said, robberies are pretty, pretty heavy or whatnot. But... I think that I think that the overall general sense in the city is that the youth in our city are to be feared. Um, and when we say youth, I think we're 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 really talking about um, minority youth. That is the narrative in the story. It seems that comes from the news. If you go to any news station and you see a something about any type of violence that happens, and violence happens all over the entire world in every context. But if you read the comments that come after it, yeah. it's just 
it, you, you can get a sense of what people really feel in the city because when they can hide behind the, you know, the keys on the, um, you know, computer, they start letting it all out. And you know, I, like I, I don't even read the stuff. Somebody just told me this week I don't even read stuff on news stations anymore on the commentary because it's, it, the hatred is so crazy. Um, and it, and it, it, it to me it leaves you with this really dismal, hopeless feeling of. Um, it just seems like nobody loves anybody anymore. People aren't interested in fighting to see change. They're just stuck at what it is. And it's like somebody crosses a line, kill them. You know, like, no, like there's so many um, disparities within the, you know, the, the justice system. But people don't even care about how it plays out anymore. They don't care if the laws are lopsided. They don't care if, the, if it targets um, youth, if they're unjustly being charged as adults and, you know, disproportionate numbers, anything like that. People are just like, oh, you committed a crime, whatever, you're a throwaway person. Um, and not being really responsible with the narrative or the, the reason that this, it seems like nobody's asking, like everybody's asking what's the reason, but it seems like nobody really wants to know because it puts the responsibility on us if we actually get a hold of the answer or whatever. But so I guess I'll start there. Like, and, and, you know, and we're not professionals here, but we have a gut feeling because we are in the community. We are dealing with youth. Um, Ms. Donna Frio as a teacher and as a leader in the community um, and an activist and, and you as well, Shane, y'all have your, your hand to the plow. So if anybody can speak on it, um, I think it would be y'all. So what do you think is what do you think is driving violence in the city? Like what are some of your, your, your things on it? jump in real quick and address what you said at the very start which is we are afraid of our city's youth um, and I think that's on point and I think that's a huge part of the problem um, I was very dismayed to see that on the 4th of July this year all anyone who was under 21 could not enter the landing without being with an adult and staying with the adult yeah. and um, to me that's part of the problem wow. okay um, first of all what are we saying about our city's youth? And I'm talking youth all the way up through 21, right? When we don't want them at what is basically our city center. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's part of the problem too, and I think what a lot of adults don't realize is we are continuously barring youth from the only safe places they have to go. They can't go to a movie theater after seven without an adult. They can't go to the mall now at night without an adult. Can't come even celebrate, you know, the 4th of July and with it, you know, out an adult, where, where are they supposed to go? Why do we think violence is happening? Yeah. You know, like what, there's no supervision, right? You're forced into areas with no supervision, no yeah. entertainment, nothing productive to do. Yeah. And I, there's, yeah. there's no prevention. There's no, pre the prevention programs are pretty much disappearing for the most part, it feels like. And then if you think about that, that this whole thing you just said right there, that doesn't apply at the beach. It doesn't apply in Ponte Vedra. Right. It doesn't apply in Mandarin. No, right. None of those things that involve lack for teens, mm -hmm. that doesn't apply there. There's, kids are not going to go to the movies there and be turned away after a certain time right. by themselves. It's just not happening. So, you know, what you're really pinpointing is that in certain areas of town, it seems that youth are not appreciated or valued. They're, they're at, at the narrative, the, the, the loud voice they hear is that, you're a criminal, 
And so we're going to treat you as such. And this is the barriers we're setting up, which speaks very clearly to them that you're a threat, you're a criminal, Mm -hmm. this is who we see you are. Um, And that has a huge prick on people's identity, on these kids' identity. Well, and when that's the only thing getting news coverage, you know, when EVAC has to fight every single time to this day to be on the news. I'm talking like when we got coverage from every news outlet for the Harvard win, in first place in a national Harvard contest. But do you know that when Harvard and the Kind Foundation reached out to media first ahead of time, they were supposed to coordinate it. They were all turned away. It was all rejected. I had to repeatedly advocate over and over to get them to come out. So when we only recognize youth when there's a fight, right, and that gets you on TV, but when you're doing something positive, that doesn't get you on TV, how much more are you reinforcing And you, you know what's funny about that, mm. that you say that? Because within the last two months, I have bumped into more than five or six students from Lee High School. And no one, none of these students know about the EVAC movement. <laughs> But they can tell you about, like you said, right. every fight right. that goes on, everything that happens when it comes to uh, violence in the city, they could probably tell you about it. But n- not absolutely one of these young people. I said, oh, you go, I said, yeah, I, I, I got a, a homegirl of mine, a friend of mine, Miss um, uh, Donna Friel. They knew who you were because they just knew you were a teacher. But it was like, I was like, you never heard of the EVAC movement? It's like. Uh, but then I began to name some of the students. It was like, well, I know some of the students. Mm-hmm. But it's like the name EVAC movement and the and the progress that you all have made, the impression that you all have made on the news, like going to D.C., yeah. Time Magazine, like nobody knows about these things. I could not get one news outlet in Jacksonville to cover the fact that we were on the front page of the New York Times. Not one. Mm. I can only get one news outlet to even cover when we met President Obama. And I'm appreciative to the news stations at this point. Like, I think that they genuinely love what we're doing. um, And they have been coming out more and more. But it has been an uphill battle. Um, And we get ratings when they post our stories. So that's not what it's about. I can't really figure out what it's about. When we have been on the news, I've seen that we haven't had as much time as that year when we had those many fights. We were on the news multiple times about the same thing. But when we're on the news with EVAC, we get a little shout out, it's a couple minutes, but it's nowhere near as much time as if we had a big fight, if there was a or fight. Or at school or something Yeah, and everyone, everyone knows about it because it's shown so much, everyone talks about it. Everyone talks about, people talk about what they see. So if they saw, if they see the fight five times on the news and they see evac once, they're not gonna remember us because they tend to gravitate towards what's shown to them more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. Well, I mean, <clears throat> I feel like there's several factors at play and one of them, is across the board fear sells. Like in any news coverage of anything, like if, even if you look on a national level, like why do we cover Russia so much? Why do we cover what's happening in North Korea when there's tons of stuff happening all over the world? I think because people know, like there was a, somebody just did this undercover video on a CNN exec and he didn't know he was being filmed. And he was just saying like, yeah, we really don't have a story with Russia, but every time we try and move something positive, the, the viewership and ratings are so much lower 
that the head execs are like, you need to go back to Russia because everyone watches that and everyone wants to like know about fear. But Jeremy, I actually really disagree with you. Like, I think that's the narrative and that's mm -hmm. narrative I've been told by the media, yep. but I'm telling you, and I've started doing this as I've seen it, I screenshot every time our stories get posted, I screenshot the stories above us, the stories below us and ours as far as comments, shares. We consistently get through the roof. Mm -hmm. um, shares, comments, likes, far more than some of the more negative stories right. that are above and below us. So that's not, you know, hope sells too. Especially, like, a lot of the communities that are watching the local news, they're desperate for some hope. They're mm -hmm. looking for something good to be coming out of their communities. And there a lot is, but it's not given a platform. So then why would people at even Lee High School not even know about EVAC and the hope that continually comes out of the mm -hmm. classroom? Like students. Right. But they know the fights that have happened. Be... Well, because we're fighting against those forces. You know mm. what I mean? We're fighting to get coverage. And, you know, just to be real with you, we're quick. I'm a huge proponent of athletics. Mm -hmm. Every kid I can get into athletics, I push it. I go to every game, home and away, yeah. for so many different sports. Yeah. But I'll tell you, it has really bothered me since doing EVAC to see how much attention and notice and recognition we give to things that students are doing with their bodies. Mm -hmm. But these students are doing amazing things with their minds. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it's hard to get recognition in every capacity, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, go, go ahead, Phil. I want to say, let's go, let's go to a song real quick, but you could go ahead and you could take us into it. Yeah, you, just before we go to the song, like one of the things, like I, I, I think that people, um, I, and I think it's true to both of your statements. I think there's, I think there's truth on both sides of that, but I think that, We've become as a society so zombied out by TV mm -hmm. that, and it's weird how the media dances in this place where we never kind of point at them, like we point at whatever they're talking about, and they kind of get they they get this power to operate and say stuff and stir the pot in the city, but not bear kind of the responsibility for what it causes. Mm -hmm. I mean. When we think about something like, I think about how reckless like world star hip hop is mm -hmm. for people, how toxic it is. Mm -hmm. When I look at the commentary on the, on, on the news outlets, I don't see anything that's different right. when it comes out message wise for the comments in it. It's like kill these ends, blank these crack, whatever, it, whatever the racism, the hatred, kill cops, you know, Take everybody on the north side, burn them, hang them, or whatever. Who can like? It's, it's somebody got to be responsible for that. That's reckless. That's, a good point. That's absolutely reckless. You know what I'm saying? And so, and people may think it's one sided, but I'm like, yo, world star, star hip hop, reckless. Music that per, that perpetuates violence, reckless. Mm -hmm. The news media, reckless. Right. Police officers that beat the crap out of people, whatever, because they didn't like the tone in their voice. Reckless. Yeah. So I feel like what we're dancing around is people in power taking responsibility because we keep pushing the thing towards the youth and letting it just sit there. Yeah. But there's a lot of other things inside of this whole story. And when we come back, we'll get to, to, to some more of that also and get to the stuff in it. Um, Philly Ellis, where are we going on this music thing? We're going to go to a song real quick. I'm going to go to my man AV, you know what I'm saying, featuring me. 
<laughs> you already know what it is. But, yeah, uh, yeah, so you know, arrogant, <laughs> man. It's just, I mean, and we, and please we pray for him. We're going to go there. Shout out to my dog. This, he is on his new album, you know what I mean? And it's coming out. This song, is, we just shot a video to it, so it's going to be dope. It's called A Veal to the Scope. Let them know. Right here on the Veal Radio Show. Yo, 103.7 FM, 1320 AM, Pure Radio. Yo, Shirk, hit the laugh as we go out. <laughs> From the veil to the skull Have they not heard? Yep, they already know The sound's gone out to the ends of the earth And the words to the end of the world Tell them If the stars don't tell them How will they believe if a preacher ain't yelling Take it to the streets, call it beautiful feet Glad tidings of good things, that's the gospel of peace From the veil to the skull, let them know Dope from the veil to the skull, let them know, dope. From the veil to the skull, let them know, dope. From the veil to the skull, let them know, dope. Ah, uh, yeah, coast to coast, I feel it. From the image to the veil, and my people still with it. Hold it down in the 904, they do that there. I'm too awake, but to each his own sphere. We're preaching the same thing, we're preaching the gospel. The whole counsel of God delivered from the apostles. To my brothers who are saints in the most high. On the doctrine that you teach, keep a close eye. Cause there's wolves in the fold and the pulpits So keep your sword sharp, keep the guns loaded To protect the sheep at all costs And do whatever it takes to bring back the lost From the veil to the skull, let them know, dope From the veil to the skull, let them know, dope From the veil to the skull, let them know, dope From the veil to the skull, let them know, dope From the veil to the skull, let them know, dope From the veil to the skull, let them know, dope From the veil to the skull, let them know, dope From the veil to the skull, let them know, you again for you it is safe and for me it ain't very some not at all be alert and watch with a sober Keep mind because the devil prowls around like a roaring lion and he's looking for someone to devour so resist him steadfast in the power of the holy ghost knowing that these afflictions you must endure till the end of the only road straight and narrow is the path that you gotta take on the road that is easy there's a lot of fakes a lot of sons of the devil yeah a lot of snakes but you gotta lay your enemies so don't hate just refute their Direction, especially if they deny the resurrection. Cause he's the Lord of the living, ask Abraham. Ask Isaac, ask Jacob, that's the I am. Yeah, from the veil to the skull. Have they not heard? Yep, they already know. The sound's gone out to the ends of the earth and the words to uh. the end of the world. Big Phil, tell them. Veil to the skull. Let's go. Let them hate us know. No. We're taking new life with us everywhere we go. <gasps> Willing to water the seeds that we sow. Only the rest of the guy, he's the one that make them grow. Ah. Big Phil and AV got some no new. No. Call it Coast to Coast Part 2. Ooh. And I tell you this time what we won't do. Lead a home and shirt dog out the look, dope. Truth in our 23s, boy, when we walking. Trying to get it while the rest shit they steady talking. Uh -huh. And if we talking, uh -huh. it's Calvary. And a resurrection that carries me. So why the enemy try to nullify? Uh -huh. Because he got up, I've been justified. Yes. AV, even though I know you're out west, I know you still wear the veal church on your chest. Yes. It's free Duval with the scope too. Scope Say the gospel everywhere that we go do. It's free Duval and the scope too. Scope Say the gospel everywhere that we go From the veil to the scope, let them know. Dope. From the veil to the scope, let them know. Dope. From the veil to the scope, let them know. Dope. From the veil to the scope, let them know. Dope. From the veil to the scope, let them know. Dope. From the veil to the scope, let them know. Dope. From the veil to the scope, let them know. Dope. From the veil to the scope, let them know. You already know, you already know from the veal to the skull, let them know it. Jeremy, hit it one more time again. <laughs> <laughs> right here on the Veal Radio Show, man. You know what I'm saying? That song is dope, baby. Duval, we in here.
all day. Yo, so listen, we back on the show, 103.7 FM, 1320 AM, Philly Illies, Aaron Ventura rocking this joint, you know what I'm saying? Come From on. the Bill to the Skull doing their thing, you know what I mean? We got some celebrities, we didn't miss the celebrities out here, you know what I'm saying? So, listen, um, so if you just tuned in, we're talking about juveniles and violence in the city of Jacksonville, Florida. Um, we just got done trying to um, take a couple bites at the media and their responsibility in the whole story or whatever, but we're going to keep the conversation going. We're, we're talking about youth violence and why is it, um, you know, that we, we're seeing on the numbers and the statistics that's showing a rise on uh, on certain crimes involving youth in the city. And so I think a lot of people are like, why? Um, and, and what we have come to realize is that going to, you know, the comments on, you know what I'm saying, the media's page and hearing people's comments is not the best way to find out what's going on or whatever. It's a whole lot of hate being spewed out. But we want to try to just hit it from perspectives of people who are actually involved with the youth. And uh, that's why we have Miss um, uh, Amy Donofrio here, who is a teacher in the city and also the creator and leader of the EVAC movement. Um, if you have not seen them on the news doing their thing, then I don't know where you've been at, but it is basically a, a rock. <laughs> matter of fact, Miss Donofrio, tell us about EVAC movement. Let people know what that actually is. So EVAC movement is Literally, we were a class at Lee High School. Um, we started two years ago just as a class. Um, it's all male, predominantly African-American young men. And as they shared their stories with each other, they realized how many things that they had in common. Yeah. Um, violence, loss, um, incarceration, and just kind of got together and decided they wanted to do something about it. And so um, since basically January 2016, we've invited JSO, we've invited the mayor, um, judges, U.S. attorneys into our classroom and had roundtables about what's really going on with the youth. Um, and it's been a journey. Yeah, and, and, and I want to add this too. Participated in several um, roundtables in Washington, D.C. as well. Definitely, yeah. Um, we had a student speak um, at a U.S. Senate committee hearing. Um, our whole class participated in a, at the White House in a White House policy briefing with President Obama's advisors. I was there in the White House <laughs> sitting at the table chilling. That's all I need to do. And it's crazy because we're like a bunch of youth and we didn't even like each other at right. the beginning. And so like we're just we're just ran we're not random. We're picked. We're picked because of what we've been through. But a lot of people, a lot of youth in the city have been through what we've been through. And we didn't even like each other. And Ms. Donofrio brought us together through our stories. And now we're doing all these things. We met the president. We're doing this and that. We have bad days. We help each other through it. And like that could that could like all youth could be in our it could be in our shoes right now if we had more people like Ms. Donna Frill who actually wanted to see us do better, not just say it to look good for themselves. Yeah. So how did how did evac like we're talking about violence, right? We're talking about hopelessness. Like how how did things shift for you? Because like I think you're one of the best people to talk about what's going on in the city because you get it. You've been through it. Um well when we first started to be honest, I think like most of us, I didn't think we were gonna get, I didn't see us getting as big as we did. And then we started talking, we, we had that meeting with JSO and all that, and we realized like there's a lot of problems in the city that go deeper than just like, oh, we need to make, we need to change stuff. Like we're actually coming up with solutions. And for me as a youth to be able to, cause you know, kids nowadays, oh, you're young, adults be like, oh, you're younger than me. You do, you're not as wise as me. That's not true because we go through what we go through what a lot of them may not have gone through, 
or like people in a higher power, even they told us they don't, they haven't gone through what we've been through. So we have more to say on it. And when through evac, people actually listening to us and getting getting our getting our voices heard. People like the mayor use use our voices to make changes in the city, or like the president. Well, President Obama. Yeah, President Obama. The, what was it he sent us? Uh, the President Obama's Youth <coughs> Proclamation, Juvenile Justice, 2016. When he sent us all a copy and pretty much said that he used what we talked about, what we've been talking about to make that, and that's the president. So that helped me see that, you know, I've always been told, you know, I don't, I don't my voice isn't important because I'm not, I'm not up there, but, like, that just shows that it is. And, 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 and I mean, that, that's what I was about to say, like, Look how important that was, or look what that, how that spoke to him. And, I mean, to be honest with you, these kids, man, these young people, they don't need, it don't, it don't even, it don't have to be President Obama. Right. It could be your neighbor. It can be your teacher. It can be, you know what I'm saying, our parents at home. It can be, you know, uh, you know, just a community leader, somebody to let them know that they are valued. Because you could tell that that changed the mindset of them. And at that moment, when you go from speaking to a police officer to speaking to a mayor, it's like, right. okay, what can we do next? Right. Oh, right. we can go to D.C.? Okay, then what we could do next? Right. Right. And I remember the the whole transaction or the whole way of how it went down of you all meeting President Obama. Like, I saw how y'all just was like, we going to make this happen. It wasn't even supposed to happen. You know what I'm saying? And it wasn't even supposed to happen. Right. And it was like, we going to make this happen. And just to show... That's, that's a prime example to young people all over this city that if you put your mind right, to something right. and you get with some people and you unify, like how much more you can do when you unite as opposed to being divided. So. And what the community, I don't think they get because they expect, because what I hear a lot is they expect us to just change and just like, they expect us to just change each other. But I mean, we have our own voice, we have our own opinions, but to have someone like Ms. Donna Frio bring us together like I said we didn't even like we did we weren't even like there's a lot of tension Ms. Donna Frio brought us together because she's she was that person she was that adult that could like what do you call it when you have a discussion between two people someone mediated, mediated, mediated. Yeah, yeah she mediated it between us and then now we're doing things we're coming up we're reaching out to people on our own because she helped us so what we need for our other youth that don't know how to do this they have the ability to they just don't know how to get there that's like Anyone can get in touch with anyone if you have the ability or if you have the knowledge of how to do it. We have the ability to do it. We just need someone to be there to push us and help us through it. So with that said, can now you all are empowered to actually go out and be those facilitators and those mediators for other youth. Um, and I feel like for us, one of the more powerful things that we've done, I mean, White House is cool, me and the president, amazing. Yeah. But to me, and I think the boys would agree, one of the most powerful things that we did is we participated um, in the Operation Save Our Sons Summit in April. Oh, yeah. um, and that's where young men, high school age, um, from all over the north and west side of Jacksonville got together, Edward Waters, to talk about ending the violence. And EVAC was asked to co-host that. And so they did a youth-run <laughs> session. So there'd be like two EVAC kids with each School, like 30 kids Still. from different schools and that to me that changed everything like that's where it, our hearts at you it was crazy on? because me and two other evac students had we had this class they didn't even want to listen to us talk they really didn't we had an officer in there that calmed them down but when when i told my story and chris told a little bit of his they were like especially well to them especially me being you know caucasian 
they were like, they saw that like, I've like, we've gone through this similar things and look where I'm at. They could be there too. Well, look, look, look what I'm doing. They could do the same thing. I, and we talked about that and for, they went from not wanting to hear us. And so like what we've been telling the mayor, it's all about, it's all about relating. And they went from not even wanting to listen to us talk to asking if there was a way they could get evac in their school. And so if we, if there's just someone there, like even we can go out there and do that now. We can go out there and talk to our talk to our neighborhood and stuff, and tell them like I've been through similar things that you've been through, and look what I'm doing. You could do the same thing if you just if you if you want it. How that yeah. impact you personally? Uh, well, my whole thing is it's crazy to me because no one really wanted no one really wanted to listen to me. No one really wants to listen to me because I'm. I'm a jump, I'm just I'm still I'm still in high school. No one wants to listen to me. But with that, it was it was it was crazy for them to not even want to listen to me talk. Because and they told me this because I was different. I looked different than them. I'm di and I I get it. But when I shared my story and I connected with them, I've connected with multiple people through my story, but every time I do it, it just makes me feel like this makes me feel like more, because a lot of it is alone. You, like you feel alone when you go through some stuff, yeah. and it just it just gets better the more and more people I can touch with it. Has that helped you at all? Start to heal from some of the things that you've been through, or feel like some redemption in it? I don't know about I don't know about that. I don't know if I'm if I can get any further in the healing process, but I know that it helps me feel better about it not being in vain what I've been through. Yeah, so, you know, one of the things like, you know, you know, I've been blessed to be a part of the evac process and the whole journey with y'all. Jay came up with evac the name from day one. Evac. That was crazy. Yeah, you know what? Listen, most people probably like, because I think a lot of people always ask me, they're like, what does evac mean? Yeah. But evac came out of, um, it's the word cave backwards. And so when I first started coming to the classroom to volunteer, Ms. Donna Free used to always tell the boys, get out of the cave, get out of the cave. Yeah. Whenever they're acting up, they're like, yo, like, she was like, hey, you're in the cave, you need to come out the cave. And, um, and so we're like, evac, let's turn cave backwards, you know what I'm saying? Like you're basically telling them like to evacuate out of the cave or whatever, and so that be kind of the con became the concept for the movement. Like, yo, let's help these kids evacuate out of the cave, you know what I'm saying? And so that's what I feel like y'all are doing is like an evacuation process for kids. And, you know, so I think from, I just want to read a Bible verse to y'all real quick. This is James 1.27. It says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Um, this particular statement to look after orphans, you know, I, I, I think that statement is probably exactly orphans. And I think in a general sense, it's talking about the fatherless, mm -hmm. which we see in a lot of translations. Right. I think that what we see in the city, when we ask the question about why is there violence in the city amongst the youth, our mind tends to float towards an answer that sounds like, well, because the kids, did, like, we, we want to yes. go there first, yep. but we neglect the responsibility that's been given to us as adults, mm -hmm. leaders, people who are paid by tax money, right. people who wear badges that say to protect and mm -hmm. serve, and we've 
a lot of people have left their post or their calling or the thing they've been trusted to lead in. And they're not looking after the youth. Mm -hmm. The youth don't seem, in my eyes, don't seem to have priority. Even when they, like, my thing is this right here. If you, if you don't do the diligence of being responsible for the narrative that have brought people to their circumstance that they're in at that moment, the opposite of that means that you just have to criminalize them and lock them up and make the problem go away. You know what I'm saying? Yep. It's like, so sometimes when my kids get in arguments, they get on my nerves and I'm like, hey, all of y'all go to your room right now. And my wife will stop me and say, hey, Jay, you need to ask the question because so-and-so was That's hitting awesome. so-and-so and you didn't actually ask, you didn't ask what the narrative was that made them flip out. So now you're actually about to you know, for the sake of the conversation, criminalize everybody, even though there was a story that happened. That's a great example of that. So my laziness is that I don't want to do the diligence of right. asking the story because yep. make the problem go away. Yep. And to me, that is exactly how we treat our youth in our city, which if you if you if you're going to lay your if the even in the Bible it specifically talks about how you treat widows, yep. elders and then youth yep. more than anything. You 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 are, you're betraying our city, and the hope and growth and the health and the wellness of our city, when our leaders and when just pe people, even common people who listen to this and say somebody should do something. Nah, homie, you should do something. That, that's a huge thing because I think we make a mistake when we place it all on city leaders or all on police officers. Teachers are accountable. If I have a kid cut class, and I've had to learn this the hard way from being wrong so often, the last thing I should do is go. You cut my class, you need to go to the office. Because more often than not, when I find out the story about it, oh, I know I'm wrong. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. But it, it takes flexibility to do that. It takes time to do that, effort, right? And we want things to be clean and easy, but that's not dealing with people. That's not it. Know? Can I ask a question? Yes. So <clears throat> it seems like related to your example, it's like, okay, so at the landing, cut it off at, what was it, 7 o'clock? Yeah. Or I don't know. I, I forget. The movie theater, you can't go past seven without an adult. Yeah. The mall, there's a time. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so it's a simple solution to the rising violence, which right. perpetuates more violence. Right? Yeah. So it's this big, like, cyclical problem. Yeah. yeah. So what do you guys think? And I, I don't, I honestly don't know the answer, and I'm not sure maybe any of us do, but what do you guys think actually curbs? violence and actually breaks that not just i mean because all parties have to change right. there's there's responsibility in all parties of society to make society holistic but for you guys what would be a better response from like government officials and people like that to well, actually look into this one speaking as a youth myself no we don't want to go out and get in trouble we don't want to go out and, and cause trouble and have anything that could jeopardize where we are now. So it's like when they cut us off at the landing, when they cut us off at the theater, it's it's making it worse because we don't have anything to keep ourselves busy. And as like as a kid, like we need we need something to do. We can't we don't want to just sit in the house. Right. We need we need something to keep our minds busy because we're always thinking, especially when we're in the the bad neighborhoods, the situations that we're in, where everything something's going on, like. If I'm sitting, if I if it's like 7:30, I can't go. I can't go down to the landing. I can't go catch a movie. I can't do anything like that. I'm sitting on the couch and I hear 
I hear sirens or something going on outside. I'm gonna walk out. That ca- that caught my attention. Mm-hmm. But now I'm outside. There's so much more going on. So in in well, we talked to the mayor about this. We need more community centers. Mm-hmm. We need more mentorship and mentorship that doesn't just oh I'm getting paid so I'm just gonna sit here for you with you for a week and then I'm out. Yeah. We need we need something that will keep our mind busy and adults like I keep saying like Ms. Donna Friel that can facilitate it and make sure that that we're on the right track. Because like like I said at the beginning of Evac we didn't like each other and now we're like brothers mm-hmm. and like that's not just be, that like we were random we didn't know each other that can happen in our neighborhoods if mm-hmm. we have someone that actually cares and doesn't just say and like you were saying they th- they just throw they just throw people in jail nowadays because they want the they want the problem to get resolved real quick instead of like taking the time to like work at it from the core but when you throw someone in jail it affects their whole family right. and then they get upset and then they cause more damage. So mm-hmm. you have to work at it from the core and not just think, don't want someone in jail is going to solve the problem because that makes it a whole lot worse. What, I, go ahead. what I noticed in what you're saying, and, and you said it earlier too, is that Mrs. Donofrio kind of helped mediate you all. When you mediate with someone, that means you still allow their voice to be heard. Mm-hmm. You don't stop them from what they have to say. And what she does is she makes sure our voice is heard because she say, because we all have something to say. Right. But she like each person gets our turn, and that's right. that's that's more important because you can't hear anything when everyone's talking at once. And that's the that's the most important thing because what happens is is that that shows the kid again that they have value. Like I get I, I get so mad when I hear uh, adults call young people, or when the, when the news. Uh, uh, refers to them as dangerous. I'd be like, young people ain't dangerous. They could be misguided because misguided happens. If they don't have nobody to guide them, that's what happens. I say, and not to compare you, Shane, to my three-year-old son, but it's a level of it. If I leave my three-year-old son to himself to just do whatever he wants in the house, I'm not paying attention to him. I'm not there to hold his hand or to help him along the way. I'm not here to tell him, hey, this is what you do. Uh, he can he can not only hurt himself, but he can destroy. He Like, he'll tear up some. I leave him in the front room. He, he come, he'll knock my whole laptop down. He'll knock my whole keyboard down. Now, what I notice is, is that when he did it, he ain't purposely doing it. He just bothering with it because he sees something that he's intrigued with, that he wants something to do because daddy ain't doing nothing with me. I ain't showing up with me. He ain't spending no time with me. I'm going to be left to myself, and I'm going to do damage. You know what I'm saying? And then I could have something fall on me, hurt myself, yeah. hurt somebody else in the house. These kids are not dangerous. They're misguided. And you have to think. That's oh, go no, go ahead, Shane. You, you have to think. Um, each person's life is their own. Each person's destiny is their own. But the situation that we even put in can apply to anybody. If you see someone like the president, where they're at now, if they, if, if they started off like we were without without knowing, like without having anyone to guide them, they're just, they're just, they're just born into a situation all by themselves. They, you only, you only, you can only do what you know. So if you don't have, like, if you're just in that situation and there's no one there to help you, how will you know what, what, how will you know your own potential? How will you know that you can make it, you can be the next president? You don't know that unless you have someone there. And a lot of us, especially with our, with our family, not there to help us, because they've been thrown into jail, mm-hmm. 
um, what happens in the past affects us now. Right. So, so can, can I ask another question? Yeah. I think at our round table, I'm always kind of the the one, a little odd man out. That's okay. You are. So, just odd. I'm just odd. <laughs> so I totally get the misguided thing, but do you feel that there is a point where being misguided so far, you keep going to the point you are dangerous? Because just yesterday, Phil came in talking about how there's just another shooting. People are starting to shoot off again. And we'd all agree if people are shooting, that's dangerous. I'm not going to take my kids to somewhere if someone's shooting, period. Now, I know there's a story behind it, and I understand exactly what you're saying, and there's all these things. But my question is, like, even with the point where the city responded to, like, making these cutoffs, Mm -hmm. Is it because they felt that there has been shootings and other things that are dangerous, and now they're not going about the right way and perpetuating the problem? But that it kind of comes back to like I totally understand what you're saying, Shane. Like the mediation, mm-hmm. super helpful. Wish there was more people doing it. Wish there was more Miss Donna Frios out in the world because she's like changing kids' lives from the top to the bottom, yeah. and it's amazing. And it, like we know not as much as Amy knows how much hard work goes into that and how much sacrifice and long hours. And just and str- playing God, yeah. And God, but, like, just the, the weight mm-hmm. of carrying youth's burdens mm-hmm. that no one else will. Um, so, but my question is, like, I know that narratives lead people, but and there's not, like, a breaking point where you can't come back. But there's also a thing that, like, we're, we have sinful hearts, you know, and we we actually want evil. And so there's a, I don't know how, what am I even asking at this point. But I it's think like, I do. Okay, so go ahead. I answer? Yeah. So I think it's dangerous to label kids dangerous. Um, I, I think one of, like, my biggest takeaways from EVAC, and I haven't even, I don't even think I realized it, like, fully and consciously until a couple weeks ago um, when I was typing up to apply for an opportunity. And I really, really thought through it is, Probably one of the most powerful parts of EVAC has been the way that I genuinely view the kids and the way that they come to genuinely view themselves and each other because to, to me, there's no doubt in my mind that every single one of them is enormously valuable and is going to go do big things. Like, it's just... Sometimes I think that they think I'm exaggerating or just, you know, trying to build them up. But, like, no, like, I for real have always seen them like that. That's why I chose them for the class, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing they adopted amongst each other was, you know, they didn't like the term at risk, right? Because oh, yeah. what that's really saying is you're dangerous, yeah. right? Like, you, you, are, you have a deficit, mm-hmm. right? And so their term that they've been using, and it's been awesome to see uh, Mayor Lenny Curry adopted recently, they view themselves as at home. Mm-hmm. They see what is possible for them, not what is lacking within them. They view each other as brothers, regardless mm-hmm. of interpersonal problems, which, yeah. you know, in any family, there's, there's going to be some. Mm-hmm. But there's still the way they view each other, the way they view themselves, the way they demand other people address them mm-hmm. as having hope. That, I, that's the game changer. As soon as you label kids dangerous, guns are dangerous, kids aren't dangerous. Mm-hmm. Okay? I, yeah, I, I just, I just want to add to this, too, like, so Revelations three seventeen or whatever, um, it, it 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 says uh, it says you say I'm rich, I have grown wealthy, need nothing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. To me, that statement right there is 
the statement that describes America. Like, it, it describes our attitude. It describes everything about us. Like, we're wretched and we're poor on so many levels. But we're poorest when it comes to our love for our neighbors. And so there's things in this question, like going back to your question, Jeremy, like where it seems illogical because of the situation at hand. Some people have become dangerous and there is a need for, I mean, logically, all of us would be like, this is a problem. We have to handle it or whatever the case may be when it comes to criminality and anything like that. Anything like that. I don't think that we should okay criminality, but I think there is a part where we have to be responsible for it. And I think when we look at the narrative of this country and how white supremacy plays into it, when we look at the narrative that happened from slavery on after it, where blackface was treated as criminals the moment slavery was open, and the story has never stopped being played. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can, if you go back and watch any movie 30 years old, and you keep going back and forth with black folks, all you're gonna see is them um, dehumanized over and over again. Right. And we have taken on that narrative in our hearts. Even us as African Americans have taken on that narrative in our hearts because it is what looks like reality to us that we are less. Even though, it, like, when it comes to somebody being a thug or anything else, most people take on the identity of being a thug because it's the way to say, throw a middle finger to the system and try to prove that you are powerful and you will not be broken by a system. Mm -hmm. The problem in that conversation is those who are in power and run the system and those who are able to live outside of the system and be blind to it because it doesn't fall in their laps, they will never admit that the system is broken. It's like this conversation we have with police officers right now. I don't hear any of them ever come up and say, hey, something is wrong. Mm -hmm. I hear them in little nuances, but that's it. But, you know, even when we were at the round table in Washington, D.C., the one guy who presided the conversation between teens and the police officers, over 30 years serving on the force, and he said, there is no way in the world I would have done this for 30 years if I knew the system was set up to take advantage of minorities like this. Mm -hmm. So, yes, like, yes, we have, to, we, we have to be responsible for what is broken to fix it. And people are able to be kind of nonchalant about it because it doesn't fall on their children. It falls on my kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, we just, our, our last person that we had on the show, basketball player at college, arrested and locked up for robbing somebody. Wasn't even in town. Nevertheless, they go, we got you. It's a closed case because you were identified. I'm holding a newspaper right here right now about a guy who just did 17 years because somebody said, that's you, even though they had no physical evidence and even though several people said he was with us. If you are a minority in this city, you don't even have a voice to even defend yourself. You aren't safe just walking down the street. So like the story that people put in place like, hey, if you keep your head low and you do the right thing and you just work and do the right thing, you are safe. That's actually bull crap. That's not the truth. I think you, you, you dehumanize and belittle the person by telling them that. Right. Or you should just put your head down. Like, I, I'm a, I, I, I shouldn't have to respond that way to make sure my life is okay. You don't got to put your head you down. Put you your out here living down. freely. What I got to walk around and duck and, and yes, sir, no, sir, to stay out of prison and mm -hmm. then teach my kids that? Do you know how dehumanizing that is to have to tell my son, don't move like this in the car when you're driving? Don't turn the music up. Don't start bouncing to a song with your friends because it will get you killed. 
You shouldn't have to adjust your life to the system. The system's here to protect you, especially if you look different. Yeah. The system's here for you. You're not here for the system. And I've been, you know, I've gone out, especially in the last year, a lot of times on the weekends with EVAC to different events and yeah. stuff, and people never assume that I'm with them, right? Because mm -hmm. I look different than oh them. Oh, my God. And yeah. the things <laughs> that time. I've seen... I, I can't. EVAC is a concept like I think I know, parade. and then I realize every day how much I don't know, and I can't even believe. I say this all the time, and the, the times that we have been on trips with the boys, I cannot believe the disgust that people look at them with. Yeah. It's like the it, MLK parade. I, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I mean, I'm a black man myself. I deal with it on a personal level. But, like, walking around with the boys, walking through the airport, traveling with them, I can't believe, even at the Jaguars game, I'm always watching on the fringes and watching how people are moving around them. Right. They treat them with utter disgust. Yep. And it's the same way when it comes to even dealing with police officers. Last night I was just at, matter of fact, there's a thread on Facebook about it, but I was watching Maul Jones doing the Lyricist Live deal right on Laurel Street. No violence in six, seven years he's been doing that whatsoever, right? He's on the street. It's a diverse crowd, but there's some young African-American teens around. The police were rolling up on them and trying to intimidate them so hard. And it was just disgusting me. And, 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 and I'm thinking I'm the only, I was actually about to start recording it. But then he made a comment about it on Facebook, and I saw the comments just over and over again. And people were like, I saw that. I saw that. That was so wrong. I don't know why they would. Mm. It's, they, they literally try to perpetuate something happening. And they can say they don't, but it goes back to the heart level. One thing you just said is, I actually see the boys in a certain way. Like, yeah. I have faith mm -hmm. in them. I believe in them. Mm -hmm. So if you don't believe that, you, you quite naturally, there's going to be implications in your actions in the way you look at them, the way you talk to them. If you see them as criminals, that's how you're going to actually treat them. And I understand the officers have a hard job mm -hmm. and all that other stuff, but homie, I'm not up for you looking at my kids yeah. Like criminals. And if you perpetuate something with my son, then it, it is going to be a problem because we shouldn't have to live under that. And I, I mean, I think that goes back to what I was trying to verbalize. I didn't do a good job. Yeah. But basically, like even the way that you said you see the kids, the only reason you see those kids like that is because I believe you see the kids as God sees the kids. Yeah. Is that have a relationship, like a real relationship. Like that's what has to change. It has yeah. to. I mean, because... Like, I was, I was telling them uh, over 4th of July, um, one of my wife's friend's boyfriends came over, and he's a Jew. And so I was asking him all these questions just about, you know, his stuff. But he's basically, he's, I was like, what do you, I mean, because he saw, I mean, he's, he's called himself a social justice Jew. I was like, okay, never heard that term. Let's talk about it. But what he said was, I was like, so how do things change? Because he knew, like, all these terrible things, all the injustices, he could name them. He was really bright, really smart. And I'm like, so how do things change? And he's like, People just need to decide to change. And I'm like, then why haven't we changed? If it's that simple, why haven't we changed? Why don't we just pursue what's good and what's worthy? And it's because I think our hearts are deceitful and sin is in everybody. And I think it's only when God actually starts digging out our own sin and exposing us for frauds and exposing us as people who are exactly in the same spot as the worst that we see that our hearts actually change towards them. So I think, like, and that's what I'm saying, even with society as a whole, to even begin the conversation with youth and, like, seeing them as, like, lesser, evil, like, dangerous, all these things that aren't at risk, whatever, is you yourself have to admit that you are all those things to God 
and that God still pursued you and wants to have a relationship with you. And so yeah. I, I think like even the basis of EVAC, even though it's not a religious class, it comes out of Amy's faith that Amajo Day, like all these kids are made in the image of God. They all have God value. Has all, God has created all humans equal yeah. with equal value and equal purpose. And she sees the hope that God has for all these kids and like the purpose that God has made them for, even though the world in its sin and brokenness is going to try and label, put down, you know, separate and whatever. So yeah. it's it just, it's hard because I, I don't like when people start using terms like that are humanistic, meaning like we humans are actually good if we choose to do good. And if we just try hard enough, we're going to be good. And it's like, yeah, it's, 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 it's not the, it's not the drive. I mean, it's not like, I completely agree with that or whatever. I think that when you see the comments that are made about youth, it's usually out of this hyper self-righteous position that yeah. people have. And I mean, all the comments are like, you know, I'm, I, I'm like, have people forgot what it was to be a kid? Yeah. Like, and I think a lot of the people have. Yes. Yeah. Because yes. I'm like, and, and here's the thing. I remember when I first started coming to y'all's class, like when I first started coming to your class, I listened to y'all's stories and I just was I cried like the first couple of months every time, most definitely. And then I remember Shane, like this is the honest truth. Shane, I thought because you were the white kid, I'm going to just keep it real. Yeah, I told you that before. I was like, I was like, you know, my first day I'm talking to kids getting just shot up, murders, all of this stuff. And I was like, Shane looks like he got it together. He's white. He's nice. I think you were maybe in ROTC or something or whatever. And then I stopped one day and I started hearing your story. I was like, what? Who got shot? What? And I just was like, head messed up. And I was like, nobody's babies are safe up in this joint. Like, you know what I'm saying? It just really, it, it blew my mind or whatever. And I, and, um, I don't know. So, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, I really prayed for this city and our heart, our heart. You know, we spent so much time looking at what's broken. I, I'm glad that this show actually didn't just focus on the kids being broken and why they're broken. But it, the, the the conversation has gone to a hope and mm-hmm. how we need to look at them with value. Forget what's broken. Let's look at what we can do to change it. Right. If we have faith, if we stop being complacent, right. if we stop doing the easy thing and go, shut up, all of y'all go to your room or all of y'all go to the jail cell. But time. we go, what's the story? Because we, we talk to kids who sell drugs because they're trying to feed Mm-hmm. They're brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. They're not the same as a kid just on the corner selling drugs to sell drugs. But you have to stop and find out the story. But you the thing with send, you can't send a kid out of class because they don't have a pencil when you don't know that they're homeless. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Bottom line, most. And I think def- even with hope, it's like you actually have to have hope to give hope. And when I look in the city, there's a lot of hopeless people. Yeah. yeah. Like all the comments we're talking about on these threads, they have no hope in anything. So they're just going to spew hate and uh, mm. depression and all this yeah. stuff because they literally have no hope the, that anything will ever change. They, yeah, so, that's the box they dance in. Anyway. And let me, let me ask Miss Donna Frio this um, because I want people to understand live, listening to the radio, that this does not mean that this building, when it comes to relationship, is going to be easy. <laughs> And let's, I want to ask you, like, you know, like, without, you know, without putting them on so much on blast, but really be real and be candid about how sometimes it is difficult to 
establish a relationship or get to the heart with these kids, like what you kind of go through sometimes on a day-to-day basis. With, because people, what, we, what, what people need to understand is, is that you have to be, you have to understand that this is going to take time. Like he said, he could have chose to be lazy and with his kids, like everybody just go do, you, ha- you have to want to do, I have to make myself be a dad. I have to make myself say, son, this is what's going on. So just give a little bit of that. Give us a couple seconds of that. It's I know you can hard. give us three days. Uh, listen, you? I'll give you the synopsis. So it, it's been hard, and it's still hard every single day. Um, just the same way when you have family, that's where you get hurt the most, right? You were talking about that in a sermon the other week. That, that's where you really get hurt the most because there's the most love there. Shane, I... Shane's about to be a senior, right? Um, most of the boys are about to be seniors. I had him as a ninth grader, and I remember telling my friend Israel, man, I have never had a student hate me as much as this one kid. I hated everybody. <laughs> like, he looked at me like, I, there's I, I not even everybody. any words. I mean, just literally, I'd be like, oh, hey, Shane. And then he put his head down while I'm talking to him. Like, Shane, what's your story? I don't have a story. Sure you do. No, I don't. Stop talking to me. Um... And that was, that was until probably February of that school year. I mean, that was, this was not a first couple weeks, right, type of thing. This was really walking it out. And I mean, and Shane's amazing. And Shane's story, I know, has impacted so many people. And his ability to be there for people has impacted so many people. But if you're not willing, something Jay always says is take the long walk with people. And that is like the name of the game with mm-hmm. EVAC. Are you willing to keep walking with people. It doesn't mean not having boundaries or letting people be abusive to you, but are you willing to stay at the table and be open to them coming back to the table after they just flipped it? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and, um, she, Amy's giving you all the lightweight version. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't like, that's the lightweight version for real, because it's literally, it's, it's war sometimes, but it's like, you have to know what you're fighting for. And the, and the, this is what it, this is what it takes to see change. It's to- and, and if you get into this thinking your heart isn't going to get ripped out, then mm. don't even get into it at all mm. because it, it's It'll be ripped is, out, chewed on, spit out, I mean, your stomped. Heart just, and casually, you know what I'm saying, by yeah. people that you have very serious love for. Yeah. Let me ask Shane one more question before we head out. Shane, so you started off in it. I don't have a story. Head down. Hate, Hate everybody. <laughs> Why would you want to know about my life? I don't know you. So what was what was the moment where that kind of changed? Like what changed that oh, you were that there? that was because our other mentor, Mr. Seven, because like I always tell in every in every meeting, it's 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 because you can relate. I could relate to Mr. Seven's story in a lot of ways. So when he started telling it, and he does music, and I like I love writing music, and I see where he's at, and he does shows, mm-hmm. and he's got. He's got a he's got a wife. He's got kids. He's got a house. I see from where he came from. He came from worse than I did, and he's where he's at. Then I was like, you know what? There might be something to this because mm-hmm. it's like with them showing me, it showed me that like it's it's there's no difference between him and me. He didn't have anything. He had it worse than I did. Yeah. And and the fact what to connect that back to the class, the fact that I had Miss. Wait, shout out Wade Johnson, because of you, Shane Women doesn't hate me. Yeah. Um, but because that was somebody who I invited in as like an acquaintance friend of mine, that gave validity to Shane for me. And so she mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes me, we I'll have to humble ourselves to bring in other parties, right? Yeah. 
We got 30 seconds. Yo, listen, we're at the end of the radio show. This is the Ville Radio Show, Pure Radio 103.7, a.m. Hey, listen, we are in the middle of this EVAC series. This is our first show with Miss Donna Frio, and then we have my man Shane on here. Um, but we're going to be doing this. We're going in for four weeks, and you know how we roll. We might mess around and make it a little bit longer than that. But next week, y'all going to be back. Be and back and like the page, like the VO Radio Show page. You know what I'm saying? So you can keep up because this is going to be a ride right here because these young people I admire. They don't really even understand how much they have done for not only me but for people in this city. Shane, shout out to you. Shout out to the rest of them. We finna kick it off. Like our album might get made at the end of this right here. Hey, straight up, straight up. Yo, this is the Ville Radio Show. Go check us out at theville.church. Come see us for service on Sunday at 10:30 a.m. And if you're thinking about volunteering in the school, stop thinking about it and just go do it. Don't try to figure it all out. Just show up and say, "What do you need me to do?" And start right there. Peace in the Middle East. Easy. <laughs>